Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And if you are parenting a highly sensitive child, they are stuck in the meltdown cycle and you need help helping them be successful in school, then definitely stick around. Today we're going to talk about whether or not a psychological evaluation is necessary to break out of that meltdown cycle and what works to support your sensitive kid or teen in school. Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Today, our conversation, three myths about psychological evaluations or psych evals. Now here at MTC, we help parents break out of the meltdown cycle and meltdown cycle is daily multiple times a day or multiple times a week, shutting down, refusing, melting down, you know, body on the floor, hitting, kicking, screaming, and, um, and, and getting aggressive or threatening to hurt themselves or others. And we help parents do this for children ages two through 14 or work directly with teens and their parents uh, for high school. So today we're gonna talk about the challenges that you might be facing as a parent when you're trying to figure out what is going on when the traditional or general parenting strategies are not working and your child or teen is struggling in school. Now, make sure that you are going to stick around even if your child is a quote unquote perfect angel in school and they are melting down at the end of the day, okay, at home with you this topic is still relevant. So stay tuned to today's show. Um, There is a time sensitive focus to today's uh, conversation. So be certain to watch it today or within the next day if if you're not able to finish everything today uh, on our show. And uh, I'm going to um, keep it less than our typical 45 minutes in order to support you with that. Um, So Again, three myths about psych evals. Let's just get right down to it. When your child is struggling and uh, they are say th- saying things like, I'm stupid, I'm a bad kid, school is hard, I don't understand it, it's too busy, or they're shutting down, they're not telling you what's up, you might have a pretty significant struggle with your child. Um, and you, the teacher might be saying that your child is struggling paying attention, struggling to stay on task, struggling to stay in their seat, etc. Uh, you could be wondering whether or not your child needs a psych eval to receive support for special education services or just to get some interventions done without special education services. You might be wondering how your child's brain works and thinking about whether or not this uh, level of support is the next service. Now, uh, I want to be covering a few things today in this conversation and uh, getting a, a pretty clear picture of what psych evals do or do not do for highly sensitive children, especially when your child is stuck in the meltdown cycle. And we're gonna cover that first and foremost by understanding what a psych eval is because we have parents, we worked with parents, hundreds of parents breaking out of this pattern. And uh, many parents are not in the mental health field, right? 
Um, we do have a portion of our clients in the mental health field, but many of our parents are, are uh, in other avenues of the helping field or, or not at all, right? Um, teachers, doctors, nurses, uh, professors, educators, um, but, but perhaps not uh, clear on the IEP language. Um, and also, um, you know, accountants, uh, computer science professionals, etc. So it, it's not your wheelhouse, right? So first of all, psych eval is short for psychological evaluation. This is a typically a multiple day long experience for your child where they are put um, put in um, in a situation where they're going to be evaluated by a psychologist. A psychologist has at least three years of grad school uh, and they have a doctorate in um, in psychology typically in order to perform a psych eval. Now, um, your child's school might have master's level, uh, which is two years of grad school for a psychologist, um, but where they have a master's degree in psychology, but they would not be um, called Dr. So-and-so if they didn't have at least three years of experience in I mean, three years of, of education post bachelor's degree. So mass master's plus one more year um, for a doctorate in psychology. And somebody with a doctorate in psychology has uh, more advanced access to psychological testing. Now the testing that is completed is per the psychologist's um, discretion. And if this testing is completed via the school system, public school system, then uh, the public school system is going to set up some pretty st strict uh, parameters around what types of psychological assessments they are going to pay for and keep on hand uh, and apply to all children um, uh, who, who would need it. Now, the psychologist in the school setting would get to choose, uh, but from a very much more limited list than a private psychologist who is going to complete a um, more in-depth battery of testing. That's the word battery of testing is, is the word co for collection of testing. So school testing might take a day or two days typically where the psychologist is going to take your child to a one-on-one -on -one room, a small room, and um, run them through uh, these assessments. And, and um, some of the assessments the child will be answering on their own and filling in bubbles and, and reading and answering questions, depending on the child's age, they'd be reading it. Uh, or depending on the test and how it's designed, uh, the assessment, the psychologist will be asking a series of questions and the child will be answering or completing activities, some drawing activities, um, some you know mental um, academic activities. And typically academic focus is, um, is what the, the school um, evaluations are going to focus on. Now, how do I know what I'm talking about, right? So those of you who just got started following me, um, and, and our, our company here, I am a licensed clinical professional counselor and a registered play therapist supervisor. I've been working in the mental health field for over a decade and uh, working with children has been my only specialty in the mental health field. And I've worked in the school settings as well as residential treatment centers and uh, outpatient centers as well as running my own private practice, group private practice where I had clinicians working for me. And now I solely run the, uh, the coaching company that you're reach interacting with me through here and we work with parents directly so as mental health consultants and uh, parenting um, experts so uh, for parents of highly sensitive kids stuck in the meltdown cycle all right 
Brief rundown. What I can tell you is I have read hundreds of psych evals from parents uh, whose kids are around the world and also primarily in the states that I'm licensed in and where I've been employed prior to um, working on my own. Uh, so primarily the majority of the assessments I was reading uh, were coming from uh, professionals in the DMV area, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, runs the gamut though because I was working also in a residential treatment center in Maryland that saw children um, who who were you know the the uh, center that we were at where I supervised all the clinicians uh, we were the end of the road before they were moved out of state and some children were brought and teens were brought in uh, from an out of state pl placement so I, I do have experience reading psychological evaluations and working directly with psychologists as they were doing those evaluations throughout my career so that's why I'm qualified to tell you all about them. Um, in this respect related to the specialty of, of being stuck in the meltdown cycle. So um, it, it, now let's get back to it, right? Let's get back to what, uh, what one of these myths are. So many times parents, you'll, you'll want to figure out uh, how your child um, ticks, you know, how they think, what, what, uh, how they interpret the world, how they're absorbing information, especially if the school is telling you that your child is not on task, struggling with their grades, both um, for some of for some of them, or is is um, uh, struggling with peer relationships so much so that it's become a major distraction in the classroom. And what's important to notice is that myth, myth number one, which is uh, for highly sensitive children, it is a myth that psychological evaluations will give a full picture about a highly sensitive child's brain function. Now it's important to understand why that is. Okay, so we're gonna talk about three main points as to why that's not um, giving, gonna, going to give you a, a, big, a big picture um, and also small picture assessment of, uh, of your child and, and how they think and how they operate in the school setting and in the world uh, in general. So first and foremost is that psychological evaluations done by, performed by a psychologist are typically not going to capture sensory overload. Okay, so sensory overload is not just pertaining to the five senses that you're aware of. Um, it is also going to be noticing whether or not um, your child, so, so you know, the five senses, um, hearing, tasting, smelling, um, uh, hearing, tasting, smelling, seeing, and touching, okay? Um, and the, the psychologist not, is not typically going to assess auditory overload or um, emotional overload, which is not part of, part of that um, assessment, because this is not their area of expertise, okay? So um, there, you might find a outside psychologist, somebody who's not working in the school system, to perform measures on auditory processing concerns, auditory processing disorder diagnosis, and uh, that would be something that would be more applicable in a private assessment. Uh, though not always uh, something that a psychologist is trained in, okay? Um, so this is important because when your child is overwhelmed and they're not performing and the teacher sees that the child is distracted, when in reality the child may be experiencing sensory overload due to um, auditory overload, you might receive um, a feedback on, um, on the, the psycho psychological evaluation that your child is distractible, right? If they're not testing for sensory overload from, from a hearing perspective. Uh, classrooms are busy, right? Classrooms are loud. 
especially for younger children, elementary, middle school. Um, I mean, high school, there's still uh, a lot going on in the hallways, et cetera, that can add to that over overload. And when that missing component is not measured or measured in the context of the mental health world, which goes back to, um, which goes to you know, myth number two or, or point num number two related to this, uh, psychological evaluation is built within the context of a mental health model and a educational model. So it's not a, a holistic perspective of the child's well-rounded environment to include home, community relationships and, um, and and how they experience those. It's only going to test how they take in academic information and observations going to be done in the classroom if the, um, if the psychological evaluation is thorough enough to include a classroom observation. Some don't. And um, what happens is that, that the psychologist has a layman's perspective of auditory processing some of that might be picked up on a psychological measure, which is another word for psychological test in PsychEval. Uh, it depends on the on the assessments that they're using, okay? And that misperception could be attributed to the mental health model and putting your child in a category of autism or not, it, especially because sensory processing disorder is not a mental health diagnosis. And an occupational therapist is typically much more capable of uh, observing that label than a psychologist, especially uh, a psychologist who is primarily trained in the education system. So what happens in these situations is we have a missing puzzle piece that is attributed to a mental health diagnosis rather than a temperament type, which is point uh, three for this myth, right? Um, temperament type, personality type, introvert, extrovert, highly sensitive, not highly sensitive, etc., is not captured in the medical model of a psychological evaluation because uh, they're looking for something wrong, right? They're looking for something wrong. They're looking for categories, and those categories are uh, ha are designed within the mental health industry, and so they're they're categorized with that context. So it's important to understand that you know I've I've spoken to parents who say, oh yeah yeah, my kid's local professional understands the sensory piece, doesn't think he's on the autism spectrum. There's a wealth of uh, knowledge that's missing here if that's the only component that you're thinking about or is only talking about the five senses related to, um, to sensory overload and, and thinking sensory processing disorder. Highly sensitive kids are overwhelmed by intense sensory experiences when they don't have skills to manage their emotions, their emotions of I got to get out of here, this is um, this is going to lead to a problem. Um, you know, the this kid's loud and the teacher's going to get mad and I'm worried about what that kid is going to think or what, what's going to happen to that kid. That's an emotional um, management issue, not a sensory overload issue um, where the, the brain is confused by the loud noise and has a hard time. Uh, categorizing the loud noise, right? So overwhelmed due to emotional reaction to the high, um, to the yelling in the classroom is completely different. Uh, but psychological evaluations are not making those connections. Okay, so some, one of the things that we teach our parents to assess in our in our work here, and I'm, I want to talk about this with you today. So um, the next thing that we're going to be paying attention to is myth number two. Okay. Uh, is which is that they provide an in-depth treatment plan. 
uh, for parents or professionals. Now, uh, as a parent, you might be looking at, okay, well, if I understand how my kid thinks and experiences school, then um, the professional is also going to tell me what I should do, whether I should go get, um, what, what sort of services I should go get and, and what those service providers should do once I obtain them. And this is a fallacy. Uh, even if you pay, you know, thousands of dollars for a psychological evaluation out of pocket, it is not a guarantee that that provider is going to give you a step-by-step -step treatment plan. And in fact, in my experience, after reading hundreds and hundreds of these, that is actually an unrealistic expectation. I have seen maybe three maybe three that I can count in my, in my memory of a pretty good memory, um, of, of families where, uh, they've received a very good psychological evaluation for a highly sensitive child where treatment plan components were included for what the therapist should do with that being, if they recommended therapy, which I'm going to get to in a minute. However, a psychologist who is completing these evaluations does not understand what breaks down the meltdown cycle. So they are going to recommend uh, individual therapy, typically. And when they recommend individual therapy, that is a clear indicator that the psychologist is not aware of what breaks the meltdown cycle because individual therapy is not effective. The child cannot report what they're struggling with when they are overwhelmed and half of the time not fully cognizant emotion, uh, cognitively uh, when they're in emotional overwhelm enough to report and use skills taught on a one-on-one -on -one basis with a professional. Highly sensitive kids struggle with this immensely, okay? So what happens if you have a school that's telling you, you know, your kid needs a psych eval because they're struggling um, in this way and you know that your kid's highly sensitive and you're, you know, this is the traditional school's way of traditionally solving these problems, uh, but you have a factor where your, your child is a minority, you know, one out of every five, that means 20% of the highly, of the population, human population is highly sensitive. And only a portion of that 20% is having daily meltdowns. And so you're a minority of a minority, right? Your child is, is fits in that criteria. However, the traditional model is being uh, proposed to, to, you know, to gather information and to, to, um, direct the support of, for your child. So it's incredibly important for you as a parent to be informed in order to advocate well and in order to understand what you will or will not get from that avenue of discovery of, of understanding your child. So typically what I see is about 10 pages of a report, okay, and nine of those pages are the summarized data of each assessment. So you'll see uh, psychological jargon and uh, test results, not the answers for that the child gave you, the psychologist won't give you that. Uh, they will give you the summary and the results uh, once they've analyzed the answers and compiled them in a formatted way that is designed by the psychological testing uh, company. And uh, so what you're gonna get is a paragraph per test um, and a, a data set per test uh, typically. That's about nine pages in a 10 page report. Um, maybe, you know, seven pages, something like that, where the first page is, is a, a paragraph, a couple of paragraphs or two of um, a background is, history, you know, family history. They're gonna, they're gonna interview you as a parent or ask you some questions um, through a survey to, to help uh, 
write a narrative of, of your child's uh, history, background history as well, and um, behavior history. And then there will be the data set and then one page, typically it's one page, sometimes even shorter than that because it's a bulleted list of suggestions, okay? So the psychological evaluation is the main part of the report is the analysis of the tests. Once the psychologist gets that whole analysis, they, they put it all together, they read and score every test, uh, read the answers, score it. Um, they are then going to say, based on how most children perform, your child performs in, um, in a, you know, based, uh, based, compares in a category, um, compares, compares to, you know, 90% of the, the class, your child, or 90% of the children who have been tested and this, this test has been validated against, your child is advanced um, because they, they score above 90% of their peers when tested with this test, or your child it fits in 10%, um, uh, you know, which is the opposite side, for example, 90% um, of your child's peers perform differently that, um, and better on this uh, test than your child. And so that's the format. Okay, so without getting into the nitty gritty, that's what an, uh, an evaluation looks like. And um, you're left with that information, right? They're gonna take that information. So say for example, they might do um, uh, a uh, reading comprehension evaluation and a uh, working memory evaluation and a, um, they might do an autism screening and they might do a, um, or they might rule it out based on observation of your child in the classroom if they do that, or your history, your reported history of their behavior. And then they might, um, they, they might do um, a depression scale or an anxiety scale. One assessment typically is what schools will um, house in their directory because schools are not equipped and you will not get a mental health diagnosis from a school psychologist. You will get a suggestion to go get evaluated after that with an individual therapist and be, um, be diagnosed if, if the psychologist thinks that that's relevant because schools will not uh, provide a mental health diagnosis. Um, for uh, a psychological evaluation that is done outside of the home, um, sorry, outside of the school, um, the, the psychologist may very well give a mental health diagnosis and they would likely give more um, testing in order to rule out uh, different types of uh, mental health diagnoses, anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, mood disorders to include um, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, which is the child version of bipolar disorder. They just changed the name so that you don't get alarmed. And then um, <laughs> I'm kidding about that, but that's really what happened. Um, and then um, you know, they may or may not feel equipped to diagnose autism or, or assess for it. Um, and so when all of this is happening, um, the experience that you're having reading these, this test, you know, the psychologist is typically trained to read the evaluation with you, review it with you, meet with you, and then walk you through their recommendations. That is the high level of service. You know, years and years ago when I worked with psychologists who were completing uh, evaluations uh, of this nature at the agency that I worked with, 
this is what would happen. It would take you know weeks to, to complete the evaluation, to draw up the uh, results, and then they would sit for like a two and a half hour assessment meeting after post-assessment meeting and support the parent in understanding the answers that the child gave, not the actual bubble filled in answers, but the summary of, of each evaluation so that the parent understood what the evaluation says and then also what the evaluation, what the psychologist is recommending based on the evaluation's results. Now, here's what usually happens. Usually, especially um, now with telehealth involved, uh, we, we have parents who are receiving an email and the psychological workup, the 10 page thing, is emailed to the parent uh, through encrypted service. And then maybe the psychologist will meet with you. And I hate to say it like that, but, but that's typically what, um, what happens. That's typically what happens. You are expected to read it on your own. And so when I was seeing clients um, in the, the private practice, as well as in supporting clients when they come in with a psych eval now to, to, the work, to work with us directly um, with, our, with our programming, they give it to us and we interpret it and, and they'd never actually been shared. Like that's, ne that's never been a meeting. Uh, psychologist ethically is obligated to, to read it to you and help you understand it and ask, answer questions. And it's typically uh, true that they're quite overwhelmed um, and not do, I mean, that's my assumption. I'd like to assume the best um, that they're not, they're not setting up these meetings and it's not happening. Okay. So uh, we have a lot of parents who are, who are receiving these evals and having no idea what they actually mean. So um, next, right, next we have, you know, like I said, seven to, to seven to nine pages worth of the 10 page report, for example, they're not all exactly 10 pages. Um, and then the last page is a bulleted list. Here are some book recommendations. Here are some, um, you know, parenting skills that you should use. And typically what we see is a behaviorist approach because remember, psychologists are taught in grad school to take a behaviorist support uh, approach. And, and I say remember because if you've been following me and watching different shows or listening to us on different platforms, um, this, is, this is what I've, I've mentioned before. So what is that? Sticker charts, sticker charts, reward charts. Um, um, and uh, dangling carrots for your kid. And you know, oh my gosh, you know when you're stuck in this pattern, you know that's not working, okay? So um, what happens, right? You're left with a piece of paper and you're like, yep, already read that book, yep, already tried that, doesn't work, okay? So it's really important to notice that the only reason why a psychological evaluation would be necessary is if your child needs an official level of support, documented level of support, like a 504 plan, or an IEP, Individualized Education Plan. Um, and you would be advocating for that as a parent because it's, it's less likely, for, especially for highly sensitive kids, that the school is volunteering that um, as an option. A and um, so it's, it's up to you to advocate for that, okay? So lastly, uh, myth number three I wanna cover here before we talk about what is available to you next to have a great, um, support system in place for you guys and act, something you can take action on uh, today to, to become even more empowered to support your sensitive child 
to be successful in school. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, myth number three is that psych evals end the meltdown cycle, right? We just talked all about where the flaws are in this model and, and what, uh, what gaps they leave. And it's really important that you understand that getting an, in, getting the information from this lens of, uh, viewing your child, um, is missing the temperament type and also the temperament type stuck in the meltdown cycle and what actually works, right? So um, oftentimes when a sensitive child is struggling in school and struggling meaning they're having meltdowns, they're wanting to walk out or they're you know, shutting down, sleeping, stuck um, in many different ways, um, having aggressive episodes in the school, etc. cetera, um, this, this avenue can be necessary to get 504 support or IEP support, but it is not going to end the meltdown cycle, neither in the school nor at home. And this is critically important for you to notice because um, it, getting that information is different than experiencing transformation, okay? Um, you are the parent in for your child and you are the catalyst for breaking out of the meltdown cycle. You are your child's advocate, you are your child's guide, and you are your child's best chance for feeling better about themselves, both in school and at home, whether your child is struggling in both environments or just one of them. And this is very, very important because we hear parents who say one of many things, you know, my, teach my kids' teachers would be floored. They are agape. Their mouths are agape when I tell them how much my child struggles at home because they are a perfect little angel at school, right? Or my child's teachers have no idea that I have been trying so hard for many, many years to help my child manage their emotions and have talked to them out the wazoo about how to uh, feel better in school, um, talk to their teachers about where they're struggling, uh, ask their teachers for help, and yet they're not doing that. Instead, they're just exploding. And I feel disempowered in this dynamic because it, it makes me feel like a bad parent when the school is saying, you know, your kid is struggling and you need to do something about it and you need to get outside help. And um, not really knowing what, where to turn and not feeling like a member, an equal member of the team um, in directing your child's education and directing your child's mental well-being. As a parent, your child's mental well-being and emotional well-being is your job. That is your job and that is your responsibility and it's also true that they're in the school setting and getting overwhelmed especially if they're highly sensitive and um and and it is critical for you to be able to understand where their gaps are and what the school needs to be aware of so that they can tackle that regardless of what um, supports they put in place regardless of if they put supports in place at all because breaking out of the meltdown cycle requires support for you at home and uh, you're going to need to be able to to tackle both. So related to school, here's what I have for you to get started on breaking out of this pattern and to uh, handle any of the stressors that you're experiencing, especially right now coming out of the Christmas break and, and hearing reports from your schools, um, from your kid's school or dealing with some of these challenges at home. And uh, so we have an event that we are running on February 3rd, 2023. And a portion of that is free, okay? So I want you to pay attention. 
We are going to support you in understanding how your child fits the highly sensitive trait. And then for parents who continue to engage with us in that event, uh, there is a, an option to upgrade to work with me directly for several hours on Friday, February 3rd, okay? And you are going to uh, get to understand exactly how to advocate for your child in the school, exactly know exactly what your child needs, um, whether it be to direct the school towards, uh, towards official support or not. And then uh, lastly, know exactly how to advocate with, for supports that you need right now and, and have that direction. That level of clarity, as well as clear action steps to articulate your kids' needs and know how to be an equal player in this school dynamic is going to be invaluable and great news Part of that um, discovery component, so understanding your kid is um, how your kid fits in the highly sensitive trait, that part, part is going to be free. Again, the only thing that you need to do though uh, in order to have access to that free content is to register. Everybody needs to be registered for the event in order to get access to it, okay? Um, for those of you who upgrade to the elite level and you stay on for the call that will take at least uh, three hours total. Um, for that, for that workshop, we are going to support you live and um, you'll get access to the replay, okay? Um, so go ahead over to this link, meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash school to support your child in breaking out of any sort of patterns that they have related to school struggle and help them become successful in the school setting. Now, you're wondering, is this only related to um, my kid is in public school, is this necessary? My kid is in uh, private school, is this necessary? My child actually attends an emotionally intelligent charter school, is this necessary? If your child is struggling with meltdowns um, and having a hard time in the school setting or right after school, then yes, this is, this is relevant, okay? You're definitely gonna want to uh, check it out and pay attention to how your child's personality trait uh, pertains to the, their school environment, all right? so. Go ahead over to um, to the site and you'll click the link above this post or in the show notes, wherever you're watching uh, or listening in here. And again, that's for February 3rd, 2023 at 4 p.m. Eastern. And we look forward to serving you there. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you're ready to join a community of parents focused on eliminating the daily meltdown cycle and want more support, be sure to join our free Facebook group, Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja, where we provide free video trainings to parents just like you. You can find that in the search bar of Facebook or you can go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash parenting highly sensitive child. Thank you and have a wonderful day.